Have you ever wanted to change an industry that you love from the inside out? Do you want to be the change that you want to see in the world, but you're wondering where to start? And are you thinking about how can you make a name for yourself doing something that you love and creating a real positive impact in the world while earning a great income from it? Then you are going to love today's guest who has done that and more and in the beer industry, nonetheless. Even if you're not a beer fan, this is definitely an interview that you are going to want to take notes from. Hi, I'm Natalie Sisson, an entrepreneur, best-selling author, speaker, host of this untapped podcast, and a lover of handstands and dogs. I've spent over a decade building successful businesses I love and teaching others to do the same. I want to help you tap into your unlimited potential and make the income and impact you desire simply by being you. In fact, I'm on a mission to help 1,000 women earn at least $10,000 a month and contribute at least 1% of their revenue to causes that they truly care about so that together we can create a ripple effect in this world. So if that sounds like you and you're on board to learn how to make the mindset shifts you need to have the business success you want and the lifestyle that you desire, then this is the podcast for you. So in 2018, Ren Navarro created and launched Beer Diversity, which strives to educate, enlighten, and make beer more approachable for a diverse audience. Ren brings more than seven years of experience to the table. She spent many of those years in the field as a sales rep for renowned and award-winning breweries. And then working constantly as the face of breweries within her respective sales region, Ren is no stranger to public speaking, and she's appeared frequently at workshops, conferences, and talks, informing and entertaining people through her love of beer. Ren is on the front lines to initiate change both in and out of the industry. Additionally, using her perspective as a queer black woman within the industry, she's talked extensively about diversity in craft beer as the sole Canadian panelist at the 2019 Craft Brewers Conference in Denver, Colorado, along with constant appearances in various forms of media from podcasts, television, and radio shows to newspapers. In this interview, we basically talk about how Ren took her experience, her knowledge and skills, and has organically created this amazing business where she consults, teaches, and educates with craft brewers on how to bring more diversity and inclusion into their businesses. What I also think Ren has done incredibly well is know her niche and start with a really specific niche and go from there. And I just think this is so key to any business being able to thrive and for you to be able to position yourself where people really get to know you and where you stand out and create a name for yourself. So we talk about a lot of things in this interview, specifically how (laughs) Ren started out doing this, some of the things that she actually offers to the craft brewers and why that matters, the change she's starting to see, the key ways that she helps them get results by focusing on the small wins and what's next for Ren in terms of taking this business global. Let's dive in. Ren Navarro, welcome to the Untapped podcast. So good to have you here. Thank you. I'm so thrilled to be on. Yeah, me too, because I think this is going to be such a good one for the listeners and your story is just so unique and it really kind of heralds back to what I want people to understand and know here is just all the different ways in which you can take your life experience and combine them into goodness that allows you to make an income and impact in the world. So do you want to share a little of how you have tapped into your potential and how you get paid to be you? Yeah. So I'm the beer unicorn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love that. It's, you know, I mean, I've been in beer for seven and a half years and was able to take 
the fact that I brought a lot of diversity in one person, because unfortunately craft beer in terms of workers aren't super diverse, but was able to turn it into a small company at the time where it was just about having conversations about diversity and inclusion. And now it turns out that I'm becoming one of Canada's experts when it comes to diversity and inclusion in the alcohol industry. <laughs> That's awesome. How many women own craft beer breweries or have craft beer businesses? It's a pretty small number out here. Yeah. Uh, we have a thousand breweries right now, okay. which changes daily. But oh. I think it's probably like 20 women, maybe, wow. maybe 30 that are actual owners. Really? Yeah. yeah it's still I really mean... small numbers. Yeah, super small. I have to put my hand on my heart here. I don't actually love beer or like beer. I'm more of a gin and tonic or a wine girl. And actually right now I'm not even really drinking, but craft beer breweries in New Zealand have gone through the roof probably in the last four to five years. There are so many and they're amazing. And I do go to them regularly just to take in the atmosphere and join. But for you, like what were just some of the initial, well, first off, actually, what made you want to start your own business in this space, knowing that you were probably going to, come up against a pretty male-dominated industry for a start. And then, yeah, and I imagine a, a pretty white male-dominated industry just in the whole. Yes. Is that fair yeah. to say? I, I'm not yeah, it's, yeah, Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's definitely, yeah. I mean, in terms of what is presented by image to the public at, at large, it's usually male. It's yeah. pretty straight. I mean, it's, you know, it's stereotypical, right? So mm -hmm. we've created this image of the traditional beer drinker being a male. And mm. I didn't set out to start this company I actually fell into it I was going to leave beer and really? go yeah I was going to go work for the government I was going to be a, a postal carrier <laughs> and uh, that's quite a different path there it was it was completely <laughs> different I mean it was you know I was a little disillusioned with beer but it also just mm -hmm. takes a lot of toll on your body and working mm -hmm. in sales and I'm not getting any younger yeah. and I got an invite from a friend to talk to a woman to see if we could do some work together and it ended up working out really well. And she said, well, you know, why don't you tell me what your company name is? And I, uh, <laughs> and so basically I had to create a company on the spot and it's been going for two years. That is so awesome. So it's called Beer Diversity. And what is kind of your philosophy behind it? I mean, hopefully people can hear that from the name, but what was your intention when you started it? The intention was that it was, it was focusing on beer because mm -hmm. that was the thing I knew. I've got certifications from different learning that you know relate to beer and I just thought well beer needs to change because of the image of it and my friends who look like me who look like you who look like your listeners aren't reflected in that and so I think I you know naively at the beginning thought I could make quite a big change within like six or eight months and do it as a side project and it was going to be my side hustle and you know three months in I was like I don't think this is gonna be a side hustle <laughs> so <laughs> That's awesome. So what made it like it obviously took off? Were you able to sort of chart the journey? Because it sounds like it did. It just, yeah. you know, opened doors for all these women and LGBTQ and just, like people to just kind of come forward and go, awesome, this is my place. Yeah, I think when it started again, you know, I did one talk and the, the first talk was 110 people. And I figured it was all going to be my friends because, you know, your friends got to support you with what you do. And I probably knew 20 of the people there. And it turned out wow. that it just was right time, right place. And people were starting to look at, you know, what's the definition of diversity and how do we make industries more inclusive? And a lot of the people who showed up weren't just from breweries. They were restaurateurs and they were in the spirits mm -hmm. world. And, you know, so you realize like, okay, I'm looking at it from one piece, but it's actually a big picture. 
Mm-hmm. And it just, yeah, it took off and people were like, we, we want you to do things. We want you to come and do more talks and like set up all of these things. And I thought, okay, I got some work to do. <laughs> how do you split your time currently versus when you started? I'd just be really curious to know how that has expanded for you. Yeah. When it started, it was definitely part-time mm-hmm. and, and I had kind of like made it a part-time thing because I had gone in with that mindset and had a job, you know, so working in a tap room because it, it turned out I couldn't really leave beer. So I was still serving and interacting with people and really seeing more of it and realizing like, oh, actually I need to go and work on this as a job because I think I can make some impact and start to create spots for dialogue. And so during that time, you know, I fixed up the website and got like the logo and finally like put things in place that I was like, okay, this looks legit. It's not just me being like, here's my Google Drive document with like things I've done because that's how it started. And so I'm really somewhere. Well, exactly. (laughs) And, And I'm really outspoken anyway. And I'm a bit of a troublemaker. And I ask a lot of questions. And because I started doing that, I was doing it on social media too. You know, I was saying like, what do you as a beer drinker miss? Are you seeing these people represented? What does diversity Mm -hmm. mean to you? Because part of what was happening at that time in the first six months of this company is that people were defining diversity as just color, you know, just women and people of color and black Mm -hmm. people. And like, that was it. Mm -hmm. And so I started questioning and saying like, what about LGBTQ plus? What about differently abled? What about different age groups? Like we're, you know, we don't talk about people over the age of 50 in beer. And I think I just made enough of a racket that probably within the first eight months of the company, a lot of people in the States started taking notice. So the change from then to to now is that I'm actually working with more international pieces, which is is pretty cool. You know, I'm working with colleges and universities. I actually did a lecture about a month ago to New Zealand. Oh, really? Yeah. So like, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty cool to see that the range went from originally just being in Canada and specifically just being in Ontario to now it's, it's boomed. Yeah. So question for you, how originally were people finding you? You said you were super outspoken on social media. So you started gathering a following there, talking about things that maybe people hadn't even thought about, or a lot of people who were like, oh, this is what's been missing. Then did people start contacting you to say, hey, come to me and help me out. How do I make my brewery more diverse? Like, how do I allow for a more diverse audience here and people who have this as something that's just much more accessible to them, where they feel comfortable, where they can learn more? I think the people who did reach out had seen me kind of, you know, I was lucky enough to do some media because Mm -hmm. again, the kindness of friends, right? So Mm -hmm. I always say, if you have friends who have connections, don't be afraid to kind of say, Hey, can you help me out? Because word of mouth is such a fantastic thing. I, for the first year, didn't have to put out any adverts to get people to come and work with me because I relied on social media and just having people say like, tell people that, that you had me come in and and do some talks. Mm. So I think that that was the big piece that really helped push it and pushed it in a way that I wasn't super worried about it. I mean, there are ebbs and flows, but it's about how you present yourself and how quickly you can do your elevator pitch or your Twitter bio, because those, you know, if I give you a two page document saying what I do, you've read the first paragraph. And if it didn't tell you anything, you're like, yeah, yeah, cool. So that was something I learned pretty fast because my bio was two pages long. And everyone read the first paragraph and then that was it. So (laughs) So it sounds like Twitter's been a useful platform for you, Instagram. What else? Like, obviously, you probably knew the audience that you were going after from the get-go. It's the very audience that you sort of wanted to change or get in front of or empower. 
So which of those platforms, I guess, did you start seeing working most effectively for you for that reach and that engagement and the conversations? It was definitely Instagram. I think that most people are visual creatures. Twitter is a lot of reading and a lot of having to go through threads. And I was basically throwing out kudos to places that I thought were doing really well. Or, you know, hey, you did something really awesome and let's put that out in the world. Mm -hmm. And in my talks, I always say to people, like, put out more positivity than negativity. So highlight the things that you really like and highlight it with photos or highlight it with a picture in some way, shape or form. And I think that what was happening at that time is that breweries were paying attention because, you know, you can can tag people in them. And if you're Mm -hmm. saying something good about them, they're going to love it. So it's appealing to the ego to say, I think you did something great and here it is. And they're, you know, oh, wow, like, oh, thanks. And so I found that doing that kind of got breweries behind it much faster. Mm. It's really cool, actually, because I was going to ask a bit more of an honest question, which is how many of these breweries do you feel approached you to do consulting work with you because they felt like they needed to have that versus what they wanted to have it? It's a small percentage that I can feel that they're just like, Mm. I think I have to do this because this is what everyone's doing. I think also, yeah. And and what was happening was that the breweries who had me in were able to say, we've seen a change. And, you know, you take a photo of a group who are at a session, like one that's for the public. And you notice that that group of people don't look like the people who usually go to the brewery. And so now they realize like, oh, you always wanted to come, but we didn't have anything that was specifically for you to kind of court you to get you in the front door. So mm. I think them just seeing that that's what it did and it worked. And then, you know, at the end of the night, they were still able to buy beer. So they'd be like, actually, we saw a spike in sales because all of these people who never came to our brewery were really excited about what we had. Yeah. I'd be really curious. What were some of the changes that you help them to make. So that's just like super obvious when people come in. I'd love to know. Yeah. Some of it was changing what they were posting for photos because Mm -hmm. they were predominantly white or they were predominantly male, you know, very few women. They're like no different, differently abled in Canada. We have, you know, obviously we have an indigenous population. We don't treat them all that well. So, you know, you were seeing that if a brewery had had staff that was Indigenous, they were like highlighting them and also having them do collaborations. So some of the Mm. beer styles would change and become like, you know, traditional Indigenous recipes that now have gone mainstream. So it's, yeah, so it was really cool to see things like that and to see them really trying to make the effort and not Mm. just say, well, I could do it, but is there any point? They would try it and then suddenly you'd see all these other breweries doing it because it was successful. Mm, yeah, it's really cool. And that people are voting with their feet and their money, right, by going to yes. support the breweries who are actively doing the work here. I know from my limited experience here in New Zealand, there's <laughs> heaps of breweries now who cater to women, not specifically. The, you know, the variety in there is probably still the same, but it's definitely more of a 70, 30, 60, 40 match of women coming in as well because they all cater with food now. They have women type beers like you know I had a cider the other day and it was a, a rosé cider and I was like I'm in and I know cider's not beer but like they just they have IPAs and things that have just got these really yummy fruity flavors that are just much more appealing to women cool names for them and as you say yes. if I'm thinking through in my head definitely more promotional material posters imagery that would appeal to a wider variety of people which is cool, but there's still heaps of work to do. So I just love that, yeah, people are voting with their feet and their money. And then you often will be going into some of these breweries and doing talks and things so that it it provides them with some more experience and like a hub, I guess, for people to be able to come along. And in some of those talks that you do, are people 
providing you with more ideas about what you can bring back to breweries? Like, has it been sort of this two-way conversation of people giving you ideas too to then pass on? Yeah, it definitely is. I think that all of these, you know, the thing about my talks, I say, I don't want to stand here and just talk at you. I want mm-hmm. it to be that we collaborate. This is a declared safe space. You know, you kind of set the expectations immediately and you say, like, you can ask the questions that you feel you normally can't ask, but you need the answers to. And no one's going to mock you and no one's going to give you a hard time. And as long as it's respectful, ask the questions that you need to. And quite often, we'll, you know, everyone walks away having learned something, myself included. Yeah. I'd love just for clarity for the listeners to sort of go through all the different things that you offer and the ways in which people can hire you, work with you, because it seems like you're doing a lot. But at the same time, once I guess you have that first interaction, then there's just lots of other ways that people can continue to work with you. So I'd just love for you to break it down. And and also the, the way in which some of these offers came to light, like, did you start out with one or two things? And then people were like, oh, do you also do this? And can you help me with this? Yeah. And I think that that's so important that when you start a business on your own, that you can't say, I'm only going to do this and I will never do these other pieces. Because again, from what I started with to what I am now is almost a completely different thing. When I started, it was just talks. So it would be, you know, bring me in and I can either talk to your staff or I can talk to the public. And then it was, I can do that or I can do a staff workshop where we like work, you know, we walk through things and we identify some issues and kind of have long-term homework to work on. And now it's turning into, I can do documentation. So Mm -hmm. diversity and inclusion documents or, you know, like updating something and working on language and figuring out what you said two years ago doesn't really fly now. So let's go through it. And yeah, and just even the way that the the sessions go. I mean, the sessions originally, I just came in, I talked, I left. And now it's those, the pre-work and getting people to think about it and turning it around that it isn't tell me what you failed at. It's tell me what you think you did really well. And that's where we're going to start because I don't want people to come into this thinking I've messed up. I'm no good at diversity. I have no idea what I'm doing. It's really nice if someone pats you on the back and says, you tried really hard. So like, let's fix that painting a little bit more and make that sky a little, you know, a little bit brighter. And I think that (laughs) having done that and giving people that boost opens them up a lot more. And I think as a result, in the last little while, you know, I've started doing talks with, with colleges, both in New Zealand and, and in Canada. But, so awesome. but yeah, and the things, it's not about alcohol. It's about mm-hmm. leadership and it's about the diversity that you bring to something. And it's, you know, it's the same issues. You just take out the word beer and you put in any word you need to for any industry or any example, because the world needs to address more diversity and inclusion, regardless of if you're drinking cider or if you're drinking wine or gin or, you know, so it's, I think that it's been, especially this year, it's really Mm -hmm. opened up and and allowed me to kind of learn that I can talk to more people about the same thing, just change some words. Yeah. I really love that you pointed that out because it is a wider conversation about leadership and diversity, but I also love that you've chosen this niche because you love beer. It's been your background. You've you've kind of become the change that you wanted to see, right? And now it's rippling yeah. out into other people. Have you thought about at some point tackling the larger breweries companies, the more public mainstream ones that have a very clear image and demographic? Or are you just really happy with this because this represents more of the people that you really want to be helping and talking to? I want to help everyone. Okay. So, I, I, so, <laughs> I am, I, it's, yeah, it's not a niche. So, AB InBev is, is the macro 
brewery that owns like half of the world's breweries. And I started working with them because my whole thing was it didn't matter at the end of the day. It doesn't matter what beer it is. It's still beer. And my argument has been, if you have, let's say the black community drinking a macro lager and you want to get them to craft beer, why are, why is the black community staying with macro? What is that macro brewery doing that is still so welcoming? And so it's been mm. great to work with, it doesn't matter what size, they all have the same problems. Yeah, they do. A couple of questions, because as I said, I really don't know this industry well enough. In New Zealand, it's been really coming along probably, as I said, in the last five years, and it's just going through the roof. But I imagine Canada has been around a while longer. So why do you feel in just the last couple of years, there's been this desire to change? You spoke to a little bit before, but do you feel like there were any other trends or things that just made it more available to people or that they suddenly started thinking differently? I think some of it in the last couple of years is that craft beer has gone from being kind of a niche market to it's pretty mainstream. And the question at the end of the day is, do you want to make more money as that brewery? And it's always, yes, you always want to make more money. And so it's kind of the question of like, well, let me look at what my clientele is like and what they're buying. And, you know, I mean, you get stuck in your habits. So it's like, you'll go in and you'll always buy the same gin or you'll always buy the same four beers. And I think that they really wanted to be able to expand and kind of show that it wasn't so stereotypical and so hoity-toity and, you know, I'm spending all this money on this beer and then talking in weird florally language about it. Um, <laughs> so I, I think that that was part of the change. And, and again, I just, I lucked out in timing. Mm. Although luck is always preparation meeting opportunity, right? And I think yes, deep down there, there, was, there was you like chomping at the bit to go, oh, I want to see this change. Yeah. So for people listening, regardless of their business, as you said, this is about leadership and diversity and opening up conversations. What are some of the just really the small things that have made a big difference to your clients, but that people listening can actually start applying in their own business, no matter what it is actually that they do? Because I think this is a conversation that people are having with each other, but they're yes. still unsure. You know, like there's so many things. So if you were going to choose a few that could make a real difference in our behaviors and actions and what we're doing, what would they be? take a look at your wins. Don't take a look at your losses because quite often your wins can be improved upon so much more than you think that they can. Because I think the problem is if someone says, I have a win, then that's it. And they cap it and they say, okay, I'm going to put that away and I'm going to work on the bad stuff. Take a look at your positivity and be able to grow from that. Be patient. That's the thing. No one's ever patient. And it's, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm like super impatient. But when you're looking at diversity, inclusion, and kind of, you know, and the, the equity and the leadership pieces, you cannot look at it as something that will be solved and finished. Mm. It's go back to your wins. You can always improve upon it. So you have to take it that way and be able to break it down and say, okay, I may only make it three steps in the next six months, but they're going to be really fantastic steps because this is the ripple effect. And then the other thing I would say is if you're working in an industry that you want to see change, so let's say beer, don't hold on to what you know, share it, share that info because what you bring to the table in terms of your product is different. But if you unify, you know, across a bunch of breweries or, or whatnot, you will bring in more people. And if it is the diversity piece that you want to improve upon and expand, well, why not share that wealth? Because then you will let those diverse groups of people decide which brewery they'll buy the most beer from. Mm but things will change. 
And I think those are kind of the three big pieces that you have to remember that it's not a race. It's always a marathon, you know, it's always a very long marathon that you are not sprinting to the end of. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I've recently come to light in doing my own work around this and I feel like it's a life's work. Like there's just, just scratching the surface and so much more to learn and apply and, you know, hopefully bring people along on that journey with you because the more people you can have the conversations with, the more, I don't know, the more awake people become and then the more they can choose their own path and how they want to be part of it. And then they can have the conversations that matter as well. I do have one question around when you're doing the work with these breweries and you're doing your events and you're consulting, how are you touching on or are you starting to touch on also who they're employing and who they have within their team? And has that been, I wouldn't say an issue, but has that been quite obvious today or have they been working on that alongside working with you? I'd be really curious to know how it's kind of changing every aspect of their business. Yeah, I think most places their wish list is to have more diversity on their employment team. And I think you have to back it out though and you have to look at who's enjoying your product. Because mm-hmm. if it is a predominantly white male group that is sitting in your tap room or in your restaurant or in your you know, wherever, then you can't suddenly say, well, I know a black woman is going to apply for this job Well, because she's not there. She's not there enjoying it. Yeah. So part of it is getting them to look at the big picture because we, you know, we love Humans love to drill down to a thing and say, I have identified this as a problem. This I will fix. But you have to realize, you know, like if your car makes a noise and you think it's your muffler, you don't just rip your muffler off. You look at the whole car and you make sure that like, this is what it is because I don't want to pay for a new muffler. And it's the same thing. You have to take a look and say, I want to end with a diverse workforce, but most, most people in this industry start as fans Mm -hmm. and they go and they have a great experience. I mean, you know, you think of if you work for a corporation, why do you work for the corporation? Normally because you've watched what they've done. You like what they do. Their values align with yours. And then you go work there. Yeah. It's rare that you're like, I hate everything about that place. Here's my resume. Yeah. So it's it's getting them to kind of take that look at the bigger picture and say, how do I get someone to be so enamored with the culture that I've created that they then want to apply? Mm. And the other piece is once you do get these people to apply and you've brought them on, how do you keep them? How do you keep these people Mm. engaged? Because you can't say, well, now that you're here, Mm. I've ticked this box. And isn't that great? So, you know, I mean, it's definitely more complicated and it's a longer trek than most people think it is. Yeah. And for those listening as well, and for me, like, how do you keep them? Not without giving away all your great tips that you talk people through, (laughs) but like, I can imagine I'd have some of the answers, but I'm really curious to see what has been working for people. I mean, a big part of it sounds like to see more of your own people, more people like you is going to keep you inclined to want to be there and, you know, working with people who get you and like you and are like you. But I'm sure there's some deeper pieces there that are are really important. Yeah, I think there's also engaging with the community at large because we forget about that. Again, you know, Mm. you're you're in the middle of whatever neighborhood and if you never interact with them and it's, you know, think of it if you're living in an apartment building, your life is so much better if you become friends with your neighbors or, you know, at least you're able to greet them. So I, I quite often tell that, you know, the alcohol company is like, if you are in a spot like that, you need to engage and Sometimes it's charitable work or it's, you know, partnerships. But again, sometimes it's so simple, it's impossible. Mm. Yeah, I imagine. 
So what's next for Ren? Because I feel like now that we live in a world where people understand what virtual working is so much more, and I'm saying that slightly tongue-in-cheek because I've been doing this for 10 years, just working remotely from anywhere from a laptop and a Wi-Fi connection. And I feel like one of the huge positives of this pandemic has been allowing people around the world to see that that is possible and how yes. teams and businesses can trust people. So why I'm saying that is I feel for you, as you said, you've already been working with different countries, including us here in far away but beautiful New Zealand. So the sky's yeah. kind of the limit, really. Um, how do you plan to expand and take this out, or is it happening kind of organically with just people continuing to reach out to you? Because there must be a ton of breweries around the world, yeah. and that just within that niche. I mean, holy heck. So yeah. exciting. It's, and, and I think that pre-COVID days, I was already starting to do virtual chats because, you know, mm. travel and sometimes it just doesn't work out or it's, you know, too short a period of, of notice and I'm not going to be able to fly out there. So I think that it's still pretty organic. I haven't really had to take out a lot of adverts to be like, hey, this is what I do, which I mean, still I find mind blowing. Mm. And I think the next step for all of this is to start creating documentation and do toolkits that aren't just for beer, that are, are for different industries and for the public. So that's something that I'm slowly working on now, just to get people a little bit more engaged and thinking that it isn't just about one piece or one place. And, you know, that's the problem. And those are the ones that we need to deal with. And it's like, no, 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 there's so much more. So I think uh, doing documentation, doing videos, I mean, Zoom has been fantastic, mm. but has been for eight months. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah, I see a lot more of that and, and being able to do more international. Mm. I kind of view it as this beautiful analogy of the fermenting of a beer. As you said, it takes time and it takes time to like get it right and to bring out that flavor and that fullness and the taste and to let that permeate. And I feel like your work is just beginning, even though you've been doing it for two years in many ways, right? Because it's just opening people up. And as you say, it goes well beyond beer and, and craft breweries but it's super exciting to know how this can be taken and expanded into the world so for those who think do you have anybody else on your team right now is it just Ren? is it are you starting to need you know a team to help you develop some of these tools and toolkits right now my mother is working for me part-time <laughs> <laughs> yeah go mom love it <laughs> uh, but otherwise that's it it's still yeah. predominantly me and I think part of the problem quote unquote, is that a lot of what I do is my experience. So it's very hard for me to bring in a bunch of people to be like, okay, like, let's talk about your experience. But at some point, I think it's possible. I just need to find more diverse people in beer who are willing to leave beer to come work for me. Uh, yeah. so it's, it's kind of the catch 22 because I'm like, I don't want you to leave the industry. So mm. keep doing your thing and, and letting me use you as an example and, and, you know, us chatting and catching up with each other. So yeah, so right now it's it's me and my mom one day a week. But yeah, it's just me really. <laughs> Love it. Hope she's doing a great job. I'm sure she oh, is. She's fantastic. And what I like about that as well is they don't necessarily have to leave the industry though, do they? They could just view it from the other side. Well, not the other side, but you know, being able to sort of look in and go, cool, when I'm in it, this is what I see. And when I'm looking at it from like a brand's point of view, there's all the things I feel I can go in and help and fix and change. So yeah, I'm sure you will have the team developing as people just sort of want to follow this lead and go, oh yeah, what an awesome opportunity to be able to change the industry I'm in and love from within. Yeah. Yeah. So where are the best places for people to learn more about you, especially the beer lovers yes. throughout the world? And yeah, where's the best places to find you online and engage and have the conversations? Instagram for sure. So it's beer underscore diversity. 
And then the website, which has just recently been redone. Sexy, by the way. It looks it's, awesome. I, I'm so in love with it. It was done for me. It was oh. a sponsorship. Yeah, it was a sponsorship <sighs> from from someone who is a good friend now and does marketing, has a marketing background, actually owns a brewery. And she had said, let me help you. So please go see my website. I'm in love with it. It is beer-diversity.com. Yeah, it's great. And it's super clean and clear. And just, yeah, I really, really appreciate good websites. Yes, in the yes. branding and, and yeah, but it also, you know, I mean, it's like I've done a lot of media. So at least there's always a continuous update for what I've done. Mm-hmm. And because things are twisting slightly and, you know, the focus changes slightly, the website always updates it and shows what's happening. So I think that's probably the best place to go. Yeah, like any good entrepreneur, always adapting with the times. I love it. Thank you so much for your time here today. It's actually made me think when I go to Brewtown next, not Brewtown, Brewtown, which they've made pretty somewhat diverse and they're bringing in activities for kids and, and a wine bar and all sorts of cool things to make it more inclusive. I'm going to look at craft beers in a new light. I'm going to like actually take a look around and just look at the imagery and the way in which we're talking, how it's set up, see what they could be doing better, and then maybe just happen to go instagram you and say hey <laughs> so you can get on their radar yes, um, please <laughs> really awesome thanks so much Jen. thanks for having me i really hope you enjoyed this interview with ren navarro please do head across to beer-diversity.com check out the work that she does if you are a beer lover if you're into craft beers if you know of people who could use ren's awesome expertise to come in and make an impact and create some real change and it start the conversations that need to be had then definitely recommend her. And if you enjoyed this episode, please shout out on Instagram to both at Natalie Sisson and at beer underscore diversity and let us know where you were listening in. Maybe if you were having a craft beer at the time of listening, awesome, take a photo of that. And even shout out to a couple of craft breweries that you think are doing the right things when it comes to diversity and inclusion and creating great conversations around you know, changing the nature of this audience and opening it up to be more accessible to people who love beer but don't necessarily see themselves represented in these big companies and changing the conversation with them as well. Thanks so much for listening in to the Untapped podcast. Tune in every single Wednesday when a new episode drops so that you can learn how to tap into your potential and make the income and impact that you so desire. 